Welcome to the Faith That Works in Real Life podcast of Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. We invite you to subscribe to Faith That Works in Real Life on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Jesus said, in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly." And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Friends, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I have a home. Eternal home, but for now I walk this broken world. You walked it first, you know our pain, but you show hope can rise again up from the grave. Abide with me, abide with me, don't let me fall, and don't let go, walk with me, and never leave, ever close, God abide with me and up ahead eternity where we'd no more 
will sing for joy, abide with me. We'll weep no more, we'll sing for joy, abide with me. Abide with me, abide with me. Don't let me fall and don't let go. Walk with me and never leave, ever close. God abide with me, ever close, God abide with me. Dear God, may that be our prayer today. Abide with us. There are sufferings in our world. There are wars and rumors of war. There are tragedies of innocent people dying. There is hunger. There is hatred. And yet, you come into our world and show us true love for all people. Let your love abide with us. I pray that you would be the words I speak, that they would bring you glory and honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> been one of those weeks. Kind of hard to shift gears, but uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I have to say this nicely because she might be watching. My, my wonderful, courageous, loving mother possesses this dedicated knack to preserve things from my sisters and, and my childhood. And it includes things like my athletic things, you know, trophies and certificates and medals and all that kind of stuff. And there's also some cards that I created or poems that I wrote for her on Mother's Day or her birthday. But then there's also some items like report cards and progress reports. Now, my mother has a delightful sense of humor, God bless her. But she still reminds me, you know, that she beat me in arm wrestling once. Or when she cut holes in my underwear, hearts to be exact. So I'm not sure if she preserved the report cards for my own personal nostalgia or if she intended my own children to see these items. So they could say things like, wow, Dad, you weren't really focused, were you? In any case, I was reading through some of the thoughtful remarks 
my teachers shared with my parents, and I was quite surprised to find out the way they felt, or to be reminded, maybe, of the way they felt. For instance, Mrs. Myers, beloved Mrs. Myers, my third grade teacher said, although Tim possesses a strong academic potential, he can be quite disruptive in class. as he tries to make other kids laugh. Mr. Schultz, kind of reminds you of the Schultz from Hogan's Heroes. I see nothing, I know nothing, right? Um, he wrote, Tim is a strong student. Occasionally he disrupts the class when I turn my back or leave the room. And one more, that was my fourth grade teacher. This is my sixth grade teacher, Mr. Sprague. He had one of those paddles. It was about 18 inches long, right? And the handle was here, and then there was probably a foot there, and then there was holes like every inch or half inch. And when it went like that, it went, you know, you could hear it, right? Anyway, Mr. Sprague wrote this. He said, uh, Tim had a solid year. Overall, his behavior improved tremendously in part to some maturity. While he still possesses the ability to disrupt the classroom, he has learned to control his behavior more often than not. So, hey, they can only see me now. Obviously, the word there that I want you to see is disrupt, or I wanted you to hear disrupt. Disrupt, disruption, disruptor. All those words carry a negative meaning as in something that makes it difficult to continue what's supposed to happen or what's normal. And that is until 1997 when Harvard business professor Clayton Christensen introduced the term innovative disruptor. It describes a product or idea or a person that disrupts an existing market, and sometimes even takes over that market. For instance, let me give you an example. Netflix. It started in the late 90s. We all went to Blockbuster back then, right? Some of you don't even know what Blockbuster is, right? We used to go get movies there, and you'd walk up and down the aisles because they had so many movies to choose from, right? But you rented the movies from Blockbuster. Well, Netflix came along and says, hey, you don't have to go to the store. You just, we'll mail them to you. We'll mail them to you. The late fees will add up, but don't worry about it. We'll still mail them to you. And so they changed the way we rented movies, and it changed the business. It put Blockbuster out of business. But Netflix wasn't done. They disrupted the business market again. And in 2007, they changed the way we watch movies forever because they introduced live stream. Live stream. Most everybody has live stream of some sort in their home. So until recently, calling someone a disruptor, like on a report card, wasn't a compliment. It brought to mind a disruptive child or a disruptive event. But now being a disruptor is positive. The, the Elon Musks and the Jeff Bezos of the world are lauded 
when they seek to disrupt established industries. Today, companies even hire chief disruption officers. It's a thing. Civil servants and teachers and school children are encouraged to become disruptive innovators. When our gospel reading for this first Sunday of Advent, Jesus is in the middle of a close conversation with his disciples. We're in Mark gospel, Mark chapter 13. Jesus is crucified in chapter 15. So this is an intimate discussion. Another meaningful discussion that he's having with his disciples. And he's telling them about the coming destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. And Jesus advises them of the difficulties to come that will come in establishing God's kingdom here on earth. He informs them that they will endure hardships and pain on his behalf. But they will be rewarded in the end. His advice to them is to keep awake, to stay alert, and to watch and wait for the disruptive presence of God to break in to their reality. Faith That Works in Real Life is being brought to you by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. You can find out more about Messiah Lutheran Church by visiting messiahlc.com. Now, we don't often think of God as disruptive. We like to envision God as a calm, serene, peaceful God who leads us beside still waters, who holds little lambs in pictures and who carries our burdens. But in our passage for today, we see the disruptive nature of God, not in a negative way, but rather disruptive to the forces of evil, to sin, to wrongdoing, and to injustice, even disruption in death. In fact, you could say that the very onset of Advent in a sense, is the sign of the beginning of God's disruption in our ordinary world with God's extraordinary presence. The disruption of our mundane lives with God's sacred and eternal promise for life. The disruption of our mortality with God's offer of resurrection life. The truth is God in God's very nature is disruptive from the very beginning of creation. Jesus coming into the world is very disruptive in and of itself. Mary, whose life seems perfectly normal and innocent, is suddenly disrupted by an unexpected pregnancy. Joseph, who probably is a fine carpenter and looking forward to the booming market in Nazareth, is suddenly disrupted. The girl of his dreams is pregnant by the power of the Spirit, no less. 
John the Baptist disrupts the lives of many, attracting people to the desert of all places, offering the renewal of God's love and forgiveness while disrupting the synagogues and what they were teaching. And then the ministry of of Jesus is one large disruption after another to everything status quo to the religious establishment for enforcing rules that are unloving and burdensome. To the Roman Empire declaring that God's kingdom knows no bounds. And to everyday people, sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, lepers, mentally ill, different races, Jesus disrupts their lives with a gentle love of embracement and inclusion. He welcomes everyone from the little child to the Samaritan. And our job, good Christian friends, is to be vigilant and watchful for the signs of God's disruptive presence in our lives and in our world. And then somehow we must allow God, in fact, to disrupt us and move us into new truths and new places with new people. I mean, this is the excitement and the beauty of allowing the Holy Spirit to lead our lives and to energize our church. We can always sense the Holy Spirit's presence by the level of disruption in our lives and in our church. Now, to be sure, we don't like it. Most of us don't like change at all. We don't like to change our seats when we come in on Sunday mornings. I told those people over there to watch out. We don't like pews. But the chairs are pretty darn comfortable, aren't they? We don't like it when the things that we like are changed. Especially in times of trouble, we want things that make us feel comfortable, that make us feel good, that make us feel like we're in control. But God is calling us out of that out to disrupt the forces of of darkness and evil by pointing to God's present light. And we are the watchers for God's presence. We are the ones that see the signs of God's action in and through our world. And so Jesus says to us, be alert. You know, if we think that this divisive political climate, the state of our economy, the racial inequities, the unhappiness of our young people, the loneliness of our elderly people, the decline of our churches, if we think these things are winning the battle in this world, then we are missing the signs of God's disruptive spirit. We are missing the readiness and the alertness that Jesus tells us is so vital to our role as his disciples in this world. Be alert. 
Stay awake. Be ready for the mundane and ordinary to be disrupted by the sacred and the sacramental, by extraordinary things. In closing, I just skipped two pages. I'm not, because I want to make sure I share this with you. Many of you know I'm a recovering alcoholic. I go to AA, I work the steps. But there's an 11th step. Right? And the 11th step says this. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And then we have a prayer in our book. You might heard it called the peace prayer before, or maybe you heard it called the, the, uh, the prayer of St. Francis. Right? St. Francis didn't write it, but it's attributed to him. The AA book was written in 1936, so this prayer was inserted into that book at this time. But I, I want to read it for you, and then I want to finish with us praying it together. And I changed one line. Yeah, you can see where I crossed it out. Just so you can see, because I think it, at least today, makes a difference. Lord, make me a disruptor for your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. To do that is hard. To do that will cause friction between your friends, the people that you hang out with, even family. Where there is injury, let there be pardon. No, fry them. Send them to the chair. Inject them. Pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And it is in dying. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Love disrupts our lives. And that's what Advent invites us into. I'd like to close if you would please pray this prayer along with me. Lord, make me a disruptor for your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. 
Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. I'm Elena, and that brings us to the end of this episode. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to come back next week for more insights on faith that works in real life. We invite you to subscribe to Faith That Works in Real Life on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Faith That Works in Real Life is created and produced by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. If you would like to reach us for any reason, we can be found at messiahlc.com. Messiah Lutheran Church exists to forever change lives through the gospel of Jesus by becoming an equipping, empowering, and mobilizing church in our community that displays the love of Christ and connects with people of all walks of life through worship, communion, service, fellowship, and compassion, led by the Holy Spirit and focused on the Great Commission. Please follow us on social media.